0: Paula is the author of the book, Driving Into Infinity, Living With My Brother's Spirit. She has also been a featured speaker for the International Association for Near-Death Studies in 2018 and 2020. Today, we are lucky to have her here with us to share her experience, and hopefully we'll learn how the deepest grief can unlock the greatest spiritual treasure. Paula, thank you very much for giving me some time today.
1: Thank you so much for having me on your show.
0: You're welcome. Before your experience, you had a premonition-like dream. Can we start there and have you tell us about that?
1: Yes. Um, So this dream that I had occurred in 1982, the fall of 1982. And it did recur uh, many times into 1983. Uh, But I want to point out something here that in 1982, you know, this was a time uh, before the internet was available, before personal cell phones were used, and computers were not the norm in our offices as they are now. Just to give a little review of the time frame there. But I was 29 years old at that time that I began having... This recurring dream uh, into the fall of 1983. So, this dream was always the same. Uh, I was outside on these expansive fields, a large crowd of people were starting to gather there, and someone near me asked what was happening. And I replied that I heard that it was the end of the world. And everyone at that point, was looking up in the sky, and there appeared Jesus in the sky. And in the moment that that happened, I doubled over, almost falling down to the ground. And I was experiencing in this dream the worst pain of my life. But the pain was not physical. It was Heartfelt suffering and agony. And it was just simply beyond words. And then at that moment, when I experienced that, that's when the dream would end. And the dream would end and then I would wake up suddenly. And I had no idea what this dream was trying to tell me. But I want to fast forward now to October 7th, 1983. And this was a Friday morning. And I was driving my husband that morning to a meeting. I was dropping him off. He was planning to come and meet me later at a festival I was going to with some friends. But as I was driving along, I suddenly had a very strange, sharp pain in my chest around my heart area, and I remember glancing at the car clock to determine how much time we had left to get him to his meeting, and it read 9 a.m., and although I said nothing to my husband about this pain I was experiencing, uh, I continued to feel this around my heart area, And I was alarmed. I thought, I'm only 30 years old, but I wondered, was I on my way to having a heart attack or a blood clot? But eventually, as I kept on driving, it went away. But it was, it it really frightened me. Um, But I went ahead and dropped my husband off, and I felt fine. I drove on down to this festival. Down uh, near downtown Houston, and this was a very popular and uh, crowded event each year in the fall. And my husband Michael planned to uh, join us there after lunch, but at the festival, uh, we went on in to to have lunch. And sooner than expected, I I spotted my husband Michael uh, all the way across the room, and of course. There were just huge crowds at this festival. And uh, this was inside at this um, church annex area where uh, lunch was. And I could see him trying to make his way through the crowds. And as he got closer to me, I knew that something was very wrong. I had never seen his face look like that before. And as he got closer to me, And finally reached me, he put both his hands on my arms and he looked me right in the eyes. And he said, Donnie was killed in an accident this morning. And I was completely stunned. And in that moment, I just crumpled all the way down to the ground. And I just kept saying, no, no, no. And my friends, of course, rushed over. But then at that moment that that happened, I recalled the dream, the recurring dream. And I knew then what that dream was all about. It was about this moment of finding out about my brother's death. And the other thing that happened too was that I found out later that my brother's accident occurred at 9 a.m. that morning. And that was exactly the time that I had experienced as I was driving my husband to his meeting, that I had experienced this terrible pain over my heart area. So then I knew that that is what had happened. Um, But, you know, we went to Bryan, which was my hometown, and... It was just like being in this horrible, terrible dream. And my feelings over this loss, I was just completely destroyed. And the grief for me was just unbearable. I mean, my brother was only four years younger than me. And essentially, we had grown up together. Now, I have a sister who's 10 years younger. But my brother and I shared our childhood years together. And I... This grief, I just didn't know how to handle it. I, I didn't know that a human being could cry so many tears. So, if you'll let me just read from my book uh, a passage about that. Mm-hmm. I wrote, every moment was sheer agony during those days, with no words to adequately describe a broken heart. Nothing made sense, and everything about life was dark. I barely slept. I moved in a daze. I wanted to die every day. This terrible impenetrable wall now separated me from ever having contact with my beloved brother again. How do you process that fact and integrate it into your life? I could not. And at the burial site, I wondered how I could possibly continue living after this. So that was the state of being I was in, my hometown. I stayed there the following week to help my parents with writing thank you notes and so on. But during that time, uh, midweek, I decided to drive out to my grandparents' house and take some of the funeral flowers to them. And uh, so the only access I had to a vehicle was actually my brother's personal truck. He was killed in a company truck. And I was by myself, um, started driving to my grandparents' house. And as I'm driving along, suddenly I realized that I could see 360 degrees around me. I could see everything. Everything. And before I had too long to even try to figure out what was happening to me, um, I realized that there was someone at my right shoulder as I'm driving the truck. And it looked like a pattern of lights. But then I realized that it was my brother. He was right there with me in the truck as I was driving, and this 360 degree vision stuff happening to me. And my brother began to speak telepathically to me. And he told me not to be sad, that he was happy. And most of all, he wanted me to know what life was like for him now. And he explained to me that he was on another plane of being. And that it had simply been time for him to go. At this point, I became aware that I was no longer in my body and that I existed like in a, just a state of consciousness. Um, I was not driving, was not aware of that. And as I went into this state of being, it was like at first I saw this, um, landscape very briefly, uh, almost like outlines, But then after that, I realized I was out in the middle of the universe and that I was experiencing infinity and eternity. And so throughout this experience, my brother was right there with me, out in the middle of the universe. And I felt that, um, you know, without a body now restricting me, I felt that I was completely one with the universe. And I experienced these couple of waves that came through. And the first wave that came over me was one of total peace. That's just beyond explaining that kind of peace. Um, Then I had a, a wave of all knowledge come over me. And I knew from this wave of knowledge, I knew that I knew everything in the universe, including the history of the universe, everything. I knew all knowledge. And then I began to experience this last wave was of this pure energy of love and that's what i call spirit in my book this energy of love and i knew that this energy of love this spirit that we are all one with that energy of love our spirit and we are we're one with everything that exists there is nothing in the universe that is separate from this energy of love, even though here on earth, because we're in these bodies, you know, we don't think like that. Um, You know, we view people as of course separate and everything, but at a different level, we are all the same. This energy of love of spirit. And, It was just the most wonderful state of being I had ever experienced. It was like this state of consciousness was, um, it was home to me. That's what it felt like to me. It's like, I'm home. I love this. And I did not want to go back (laughs) to my body. Um, And I know that my brother during this time, he communicated other information to me, but when I returned, I could not remember some of this information that he had given to me, and I just figured that it was um, it was supposed to be that way. But while I was still in the experience, I wanted to be deeper into this life, this experience. I didn't want to go back to my life on earth at all I wanted to go on and when I started thinking like that uh, I suddenly began whooshing away it just felt very rapidly and I could actually hear the rushing sound because I wanted to go on to the next level you know whatever that was and as soon as I started that though And thinking about that, my brother, his hand or his spirit, his energy began pushing down on me. Uh, And he said, no, you can't go yet. It's not your time. And then very suddenly, um, I began realizing that I was going back into my body. That my brother was using his energy to push me back down into my body. And I could see myself coming back in. And I just sort of landed back inside my body. And I had actually made a turn onto this other road while I was driving uh, and while I was out of my body during that time frame. Mm. So I continued on to my grandparents' house, but I was in this state of uh, just uh, sheer love and beauty, and I wasn't sad anymore at that point about my brothers leaving because I had been with him. But when I got to my grandparents' house, you know, I didn't say anything to them about this experience. In fact, for the whole rest of the day, I kind of existed in this glow, kind of this otherworldly effect that stayed with me for the rest of that day. And uh, it was just a, a perfect feeling that whole day. But You know, the next day, when I woke up, I found that I was back in this whole sense of grief for my brother. Certainly, I remembered the beautiful feeling and being with him. And I knew that he was alive and happy. And I knew what he was experiencing to some degree. Um, And, but... You know, being back on earth and in my earthly life, um, I just missed him. And I just couldn't, I couldn't bring together those two pictures. It just, I suffered in deep grief for a long time after that, even though I had had this wonderful experience. Um, But, You know, one of the things I want to point out here, too, is, you know, the title of my book is called Driving Into Infinity, Living With My Brother Spirit. And, uh, you know, it's from this experience that I derived the title of my book uh, because I was driving at the time that, you know, I was thrust into what I call out into infinity, and experiencing spirit. Um, But the other thing that began happening, in addition to being thrown back into deep grief and of course, returning home, um, I, I began having all these after effects from this experience uh, because when I, you know, when I got back home and then, at some point, then I actually had to go back to work. But I would find that when people would walk into the room or into my office or whatever, I could hear what people's thoughts were. And I also noticed that when I was uh, driving in the at night, uh, especially like on the freeway, there as I. Would drive on the freeway, uh, and as I would go past street lights, the street lights would go out. The same thing would happen if I walked down the street in my neighborhood. As I got close to a street light, it would go out. But then once I walked past it, it would come back on. And you know, I didn't know that having this kind of um, consciousness-changing experience. I think changed my, um, you know, my ability for my energy to cause things to do, uh, do things like have these street lights go out as I went past. Uh, but those are the kinds of things, um, you know, that started happening to me in the way of after effects from what I had experienced, and. The thing of it is, too, I began to be much more intuitive. And in fact, just three months after I had had this experience with my brother, it was at Christmas time, and we had gone back to Brian. And this guidance that I began uh, getting, we were staying at my dad and his wife's house. And the two of them had been somewhat sickly. And after we had, after my husband and I had been there, uh, a day, uh, we started to feel sick also. And to the point that when we went to bed, it was like when we tried to get out of bed, we couldn't even do that or we would fall down. And I knew that there was something really, really wrong in that house, uh, this was coming through to me. And even though I was in this terrible state of sickness as was my husband, um, but I managed at my dad's house and both of them were very sick. I knew that something was horribly wrong in that house. I crawled down the hallway there because I could not stand up. And at that time, this remember this was 1983, uh, they had this phone on a telephone on this little cabinet area and I was barely able to get to the phone, but I called my sister who lived there and I begged her to come over and, um, she stayed on the couch and I, I managed to call into the living room and I told her we needed to leave the door open and we opened a window in the kitchen and, um, Long story short, what happened was my dad the next day realized that the the cover to their furnace had fallen off. And that meant we were dying of carbon monoxide poisoning. Wow. And if I had not had that guidance, we would have all died. And those are the kinds of things that began happening to me. You know, I would just have these intuitive... Um, nudges or understanding uh, about things that would come to me, and I even got guidance in my my career. Um, but in addition to to that uh, kind of after effect, uh, I I also began to get additional outreach from my brother, and that's continued my whole life. Hmm. But at my house in sugar land where i lived at that time i remember walking out of my bedroom door glancing into the living room and i saw my brother standing there looking into our stereo cabinet now it was just an instant but it was him and another uh thing that happened there he had stayed with us one summer uh, he was working in Houston. And so my husband and Donnie would get in the dining room in the evening and they would play this crazy electric football game. And they'd get really rowdy and I'd go in there and say, start yelling at I was like, you know, we got to go to work tomorrow and all this. And, um, and so then they would, they would stop. But what began happening at my house was that every week, Two or three times a week when I would come home from work, in the dining room, the chair where my brother would sit in the evenings when they were playing that crazy game, that chair would be pulled out. And I asked my husband, I said, are you going into the dining room for any reason? He said, no, I never go in there. And, you know, that continued to happen until we sold that house and moved. Um, But. We also had in that house uh, a a TV room and my husband and I were in there one night and we had these two big bookcases in there real tall. And all of a sudden from the top shelf where we had kept these videos and stuff, we're just sitting there. And this video came flying out from the top shelf and landed right at our feet. Mm. (laughs) And we both looked at each other And we were just like, what happened here? So some of these things, it wasn't just me. was happening to, I mean, my husband was sitting right there when that occurred. Um, Another time I came home from work and I was uh, walking down the hallway and get ready to head toward our bedroom. And when I got to the doorway there, a chair had been placed right in center of the doorway going into the bedroom. And that was a chair that had been at the desk uh, in our bedroom. And I thought someone was in the house. I ran out, I waited outside, nothing happened. I went back in, I moved the chair. Um, but, you know, I began finally to understand these things were all happening from I think it was just my brother doing these things and being there still. Now I'll say this at this juncture, you know, I've had a lot of people ask me, well, do you think your brother is an earthbound ghost because I've had all these things happen? Mm -hmm. And I said, no, no, he just checks in here and there. You know, I know he's where he belongs, but because we were so close and I was, you know, still going through uh, for a long time, the, the grief, he was just reaching out to me to just say again, Hey, I'm still here. Everything's cool. You know, doing something funny to just <laughs> to, to startle me, I think in some ways. Um, but even my dad and his wife talked about how at night they would hear buttons the sound of the microwave in their kitchen going off and like my brother used to go over there you know all the times in the evenings and he would just help himself to food and he would heat up the food and stuff and they just swore that they were sure it was my brother hmm. um, my mother had a dream encounter with my brother i mean she like everyone else uh, were you know, just struggling with the grief. And she told me, though, that she had this dream where this this young deer came walking up to her and she knew that it was Donnie. And he came up to her and wanted her to know he was safe. And she said, son, you need to come back to me right now. And he said, mama... I can't. And she said again, I need you to come back to me and he said, "Mama, I can't." And he turned around and then he walked out of the dream as this deer. She told me it was him. So, you know, again, my brother reached out to some other people too. Um but I want to point out that in the afterward chapter of my book, uh, that is written by a researcher in the near-death experience realm. Her name is Dr. Jan Holden. And she cites within uh, that chapter how this uh, out-of-body experience I had was so much more like a near-death experience because of all the after effects um, and the way this all came about, and um, she had said that this this uh, was an empathic experience of my brother's afterlife, and empathic is defined. Showing an ability to understand and share the feelings of another. And the other after effects that she talks about in that chapter that mirror near death experiences, according to the to the research, um, you know, she cited some of the things I, I talk about also in my book about how I was I had this compulsion to read everything I could get my hands on about spiritual experiences. You know, I'm an English major and I have always, from the time I was little on, I just read all kinds of fiction books. I loved reading fiction and, you know, that's why I ended up majoring in English. I loved writing and everything. Um, but what was really strange is after I had this experience with my brother, I never read another fiction book. I just became compelled to read all these different books about spirituality. It's all I wanted to know about. You know, I didn't care anymore about fictional books. And... Um, That was an amazing change for me, again, having been an English major. Um, But some of the other effects that are uh, the same as someone who's had a near-death experience is that, you know, I I gravitated away from organized religion. And instead, I, I went toward a really deep secular spirituality. Because I was raised Baptist and, you know, I went to Sunday school and church and everything. But what I experienced, this deep connection and this spirituality, to me, it was so much more whole than just being in the frame, framework of a religion. You know, I look at all these religions and everybody's got all their own little rules and regulations and beliefs and, Oh, this isn't right. You know? And, and for me, after I had this experience, none of those things made any sense to me, all these rules and regulations by religion. I just couldn't identify with it anymore. To me, everything is about spirituality and all these other things that religions seem to come up with and surround themselves with, they don't make any sense to me. It's just like, it's not about that. So my complete understanding um, of faith and religion and everything uh, totally changed. And I also, you know, became much more precognitive in terms of just knowing about events coming up. Uh, but also even in my dreams, those uh, became different because uh, a lot of times those dreams I would take and have to figure out what they were predicting for me. Uh, and, you know, I already mentioned the streetlights, but I also later in life, I, I actually went and took a class on learning to read people's auras, and so ever since I took that class, I've been able to uh, to read people's auras. It's not like I'm walking around just looking at everybody's auras, though. <laughs> it takes um, it takes to be able to have a light kind of background behind them, but you know when I go to uh, luncheons sometimes and they have speakers. Uh and I'll read their auras from the table when they've got a a light background behind them. I can see you know what their auras are. So uh and and a lot of my friends have had me take a look at their auras as well. But um it just the whole experience for my life how I view it is we are just all so much uh, a part of something so much bigger than what we envision in our lives here on earth. But, you know, from my viewpoint, it's like, well, that's what earthly life is about Um, coming here and experiencing the physical, but then um, learning to see beyond that and to get to that point where we are more spiritually thinking and opening ourselves to, um, so much more than just the physical kinds of things that happen here. And, you know, writing this book for me was, a huge step forward in my life because I can tell you this right now. I only had like two friends that I ever told about that experience I had with my brother. This, this whole thing that I have just told you about all the changes I had and everything. These were not things that this was nothing that I talked about with people. This was a side of my life that um, was always under wraps. You know, I, I lived in the world of business. I had a long career, um, and, you know, the, this, that side of my life was never brought forth at any time during that, except as I say, with a couple of my closest friends. Um, but writing this book, I wrote this, uh, I started writing this book like about four months after I retired. This was in um, 2016. And the book was actually published in 2017. And I just want to explain that when this book came out, you know, I was a little like, well, I wonder what my business friends are going to think about this, but I just went ahead and put it out there to the world. And I just, I had so much good feedback, and I felt like for the first time in my life since all this had happened to me that I was claiming authenticity in my life. I felt authentic. I felt whole because, again, it was like this missing part of my life that was never – Never in the forefront for me. You know, I experienced all these things. But again, I just didn't talk about that or or own up to it. And it was so freeing for me (laughs) to be able to start talking about this experience and all the changes that happened to me from it. And again, I was really happy with... um, you know, people were accepting of and very interested in finding out more uh, about what had happened to me. And, you know, there's, I felt almost giddy when I was able to claim this side of who I am. It was so wonderful for me. And then, you know, my focus after having retired, but having this book, I became a speaker. Uh, I've been a speaker at a number of events and um, and and podcasts. But my whole interest in doing that is really to help people, all people, really. But um, you know, specifically people who have lost. Those who they love and who are gone from their lives. Because I know that road and it is not an easy one. You know, people, you go to a funeral for somebody, you know, you give your condolences, you leave after the burial site or whatever, and your life goes on. But for the person who has experienced a really deep loss of someone, their road is just beginning in terms of the grief and the loss that they feel. That is a real reason to why I wrote this book because I felt like I could reach out to others who were suffering from the loss of people they grew up with, loved, you know, whatever, their relationship was to someone they love. There's there's nothing to replace that space that's left by someone who's moved on uh, into the afterlife. And you're still here. And that has been my real goal. But one of the other things I discovered more recently was I developed and I mentioned this in, in the book too. Uh, I developed this, what I call meld into spirit technique or MIST. And this is something I do. I think that my motivation for having, uh, for doing this is to be able to experience at some level that, that feeling again of oneness with spirit with this energy of love, a way of getting to that level where you can really feel and experience that. And that was my hope for developing this, this mist, this technique. It's a visualization. That's only about a minute and 15 seconds that I walk people through and I've got a workshop on it that goes into levels of consciousness and, and other uh, other aspects of, of consciousness but this visualization is something that you can use wherever you are you don't have to you don't have to sit in the corner and close your eyes and meditate I mean that's all good to do too but uh, this visualization you can do when you're out walking in a park walking on a street uh, maybe even at your desk if you're in an office. And it's really about getting in the space where you move away from seeing the physical into seeing everything becoming particles of light and that everything melds into each other because that is what we are, but we just don't know it. And when you can reach that point where you're visually seeing everything around you, being one and just flowing into each other, then that's when your heart, this is something that's done through the heart center. It's not really supposed to be about just repeating things to yourself. It's about letting it come from the heart. This, this feeling of of this oneness that seeing everything blending together, because that's what we are. And it's a wonderful, freeing, feeling and you know that you're safe and you know that that everything is love and that is really the message
0: in the beginning when you were seeing your dream you saw Jesus but when the actual yes. but when the actual event happened i don't recall you mentioning Jesus was Jesus there in the actual event when you were at the festival
1: you know no um as i was Falling down to the ground, my vision was of, um, after, after my husband told me that my brother was dead, what I saw and experienced was I saw in my mind, it was as though I, I were out in the universe looking at the earth. And the earth in front of me was just falling, 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 falling at my feet. And it just crashed and broke apart. Um, but the the connection to Jesus there is this. That festival that I mentioned is held each year uh, near downtown Houston in at the Greek Orthodox Church there. Mm. It has a big, huge... Kind of campus-like area, and this huge church there, and that's where this festival is. It's held at this church on their church grounds, and you go inside the church. You're not in the the actual church part, you know, where uh, <clears throat> the where you just go to church and the preachers there and so forth, but this annex area is connected to the church. Uh, You can get into the church via that annex area. It's a huge annex area where they would uh, have the luncheons. You know, people could go in and get food. That is where we were. We were there at this church. So that was, I realized later, the connection to Jesus. Mm. And remember the dream I was there and more and more people were coming. You know, I first got there and there weren't, there were some people, but as the day, as the time went on in the dream, there were more and more people. There was a huge crowd and that's the way it was at the Greek festival. Hmm. You know, we got there earlier in the day and then more and more people, it was crowded. It was at this church. So that was, that was the significance of Jesus being there. Oh. Which was pretty amazing how all that came together in that dream.
0: Yes. You know, some people believe that mm-hmm. there is destiny or things are already to be determined. And from your dream, it was already like your brother's destiny of what was going to happen. You know, some people just say, well, whatever's meant to be is meant to be. You know, if they're doing something that's not good for them or whatever, they'll make that statement. So do you believe in that too now that there's destiny and whatever's meant to be is meant to be?
1: I do believe that we all come here with purposes and stories that we are supposed to be involved in. Um, And I think that these are potentially ways that we grow and learn and become more whole as not only people, but into potentially into a fuller understanding of spirituality and that there, that there's something beyond just us being here on earth. So I do think that because um, because I had that precognitive uh, information coming through, I, I do believe that, that things are there in our future that we can get information about coming through. And that's exactly what happened uh, in the case of you know, this event that was going to come about uh, via my brother. And so I do believe that there are things in our lives that are there that are going to happen to us. And, you know, volumes of books have been written on the aspects of life and our lives here on earth like that. And do we come back, you know, over and over again? I mean, of course, there's just, there's so much information in terms of what different people have experienced or what's come through to them. And, but it definitely was already, you know, in the picture there. And for him, I mean, in terms of what was coming, but, you know, Another thing that really kind of gave me an indication of that in addition to that dream was the, I don't know that it was exactly the last time I saw him, but it was definitely that year before his accident. Um, We had, you know, gone home to visit my parents and all that and, um. And, of course, you know, we always got together my brother. My sister was there in Bryan. And when my husband and I were leaving and I gave my brother a hug goodbye, it was very strange because as I hugged my brother, I had the thought. This was the exact thought. I thought, oh, Donnie you are so much the center of our life here. And I just felt this really deep connection as I hugged him. But that was the thought and the feeling that wrapped around me. I don't know that I got a sense of that he was leaving or anything, but I'd never had that kind of thought before. You know, it was unusual. And when I looked back on it later, because that was probably, again, I don't think it was the last time I saw him at Brian, but it was a time or two before that. It was within the same year. And I knew that that was some kind of message even then that was coming through to me, Uh, because we were, you know, close.
0: This experience happened almost 40 years ago. And has the memory or the recollection of this experience faded over the years or has it stayed the same or changed in any way?
1: No, the experience of it all hasn't, hasn't faded away. Um, You know, the only changes I would say about you know the experience itself is that um, as I've gone along and I've become more intuitive, more psychic about things, and that keeps growing for me. Uh, each year, it's like you know that grows. So these after effects from that, for me continue to grow but the the initial experience and the dream and and you know the death and and all these follow-up things um you know it's it never goes away from me let's put it that way it's always kind of there and um you know even here um In my office, there's any number of times I will be sitting here in my office and uh, my home office, and something will fly out of my bookcase. (laughs) And I know it's my brother just saying, Hey, I'm here, you know, because you have to understand, too, my brother was really funny. I mean, he kept people laughing all the time. He was just a natural and his uh, personality and demeanor was always a happy person and just fun. And uh, he was never a mean person. There was not a mean bone in his body. And he was so well loved and he had a huge group of friends. And I mean, his, his guy friends, you know, and all that. I mean, they served as pallbearers and it was just devastating for them. I mean, he was just that kind of guy. And um, so, you know, things just evolve and they still keep happening in different ways. And so for me, this experience is always fresh on my mind because of things like that that happen. But, you know, I mean, one day I was sit, sitting here at my computer, like I am right now, and everything was quiet and I was reading. Uh, I was kind of deep in thought reading and um, in the front of my desk is where this bookcase is, <clears throat> but it was really quiet. And I was really by myself here and <laughs> all of a sudden, so in that bookcase, I've got a lot of pictures, a lot of framed photos and You know, I've got all these things arranged in there. And all of a sudden, one of the photos uh, in one of those shelves just pushed forward and pushed a couple of other pictures out. And when that happened, I mean, I jumped about a foot out of my chair. And I stood up and I looked at the bookcase and I said, I know you're here, Donnie. Cut it out. <laughs> and I went over to the bookcase and picked everything up. And, of course, all of those pictures were with him. In uh, I mean, then I've got, you know, all different kinds of pictures, photographs there. But, um, you know, it's just stuff like that. And so it, it's all, it always stays with me in different ways. Mm. And, you know, the experience I had, it always brings it back. He's never far away. And, you know, some of his friends, too, have had some experiences, but probably not to the degree uh, that I have. Um, But, um, you know, it's, I guess, just even the deepness of the grief that I experienced and coming out of that, um, that part just never goes away. You know, the, the deep feelings and what, what I had to go through. And, you know, I, I still have my moments when I look at a picture of him, uh, here or there, go through some albums or something, you know, I just get a, an ache in my heart because I just think how long it's been now without him And how funny he always was. And we just loved him so much. You know, everybody did. And I feel, I won't say cheated, but I feel that there's always that hole there in our family that, you know, is never filled. And um, he's always missed. And that's probably true Mm -hmm. for other people, too, who have lost people they love very dearly.
0: All right. I'm going to switch gears on you here. Um, you have your book okay. out. Do you have any, are you working on another book or do you have any other projects that you're working on that you want us to know about?
1: You know, I don't have another book uh, in progress, but the one thing I did develop, uh, which I mentioned the mailed into spirit technique Uh, I did, within the last six months, I I developed, although I mentioned it in the book, um, just, you know, very briefly, a sentence or two about that. But I decided that this would be a really good technique for a lot of people to know more about. And so I put together... This information via a PowerPoint slideshow, which I then uh, made into a, a video. Uh, it's a narrated um, uh, presentation. And I wanted to be able to bring in other facets related to the meld in the spirit technique that can relate uh, to where you are in life. And so I, I presented Different levels of consciousness to help people determine where they might be in that uh, the lineup of these different levels of consciousness, and uh, then doing this narrated um, presentation with additional information, and embedded in that is a a video. Um, as I said, a, a minute, 15-second video uh, while that visualization takes place so that people can more easily get into that state and understand it. And then I also talk about how it's like, well, why should I do this? And, of course, for me, it's all about experiencing the oneness again. Um, but I, I talk about your frequency and vibration, how when you're able to connect with spirit, you know, through your heart center, because that's what spirit, are, you know, and people, of course, call God. I mean, there's many names for it, but experiencing that through your heart uh, and doing that raises your frequency and vibration. And then you're able to, I think, understand and And open yourself up for more intuitive nudges in your life, intuitive information that can come to you, guidance, higher level of guidance that you can then perhaps hear more clearly for your life. And um, I also, you know, talk about developing, as I say, kind of more psychic or intuitive abilities. And I even provide some little... um, they're not tests, but <laughs> they're sort of like tests to see, you know, uh, for people to use and see if, if they're increasing in these abilities that they have the potential to develop. So I feel like that's all pulled together uh, in that presentation. And as I say, it's, it's only 45 minutes and it is in a video format. It's posted on my website blog. I do have a blog there uh, with uh, other information, but that, um, that presentation, the video is on that blog, but you can also find it if you just go to the, go to youtube.com and in the search bar, just type in meld into spirit technique and it should come up as the first uh, video. Hmm. and um i I on purpose kept it to a point that it was you know only 45 minutes and actually at the beginning i talk about i show people that if they're not if they don't want to sit there for 45 minutes they can break it up into these modules you know and come back to it later so that people don't feel like they're going to be overwhelmed by something they have to sit through that's like two hours or something Hmm. um so for me right now, I, um, I'm hoping to get more people to take the time to go through that video, just even to you know, just to even learn a little more about these different levels of consciousness that are brought forward. And uh, as I said, there's some little tests in there, kind of to test perhaps your psychic ability and um, you know some other information like that. but the, the whole idea is to be able to use mist like I said, if you're at work or outside or uh, wherever and you know it can be used to help calm you, get into that heart space instead of so much you know, let's face it, we all live our lives in our head daily just Mm thinking 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 and this is a way to focus on your heart center and come from that space and that frequency of vibration
0: you mentioned your website what is your website name and if you don't mind can you mention any other social media contacts for you
1: oh yes and there is on my website an email uh, contact form on there and if you fill that in it'll it will reach me um but so the address is paula com, mm-hmm. and my last name is l-e-n-z which they can probably see on your site mm-hmm. um, but if you go to that um information about my book is on the front page it, there is the blog with um different information there as well. And let's see, what else did you ask me to mention and it'd well, be just, on the website?
0: Well, if you, you just, know, like, do you do you whatever inter- I've been
1: working on? Well,
0: do you interact with other people on social media, like Facebook or something?
1: Yes. Yeah, so I do. Yeah. Just so they can just look up Paula Lynn's for um, I'm on Facebook and LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. And I actually have two pages on Facebook. And um, I think if you put Paula Lynn's uh, author, if you're looking on Facebook, I think, you know, the book page will come up. Uh, the other page, Paula Lynn, for me is, uh, you know, just everyday personal <laughs> outreach to people uh, versus the other one is more focused on uh, the book and, you know, being the author and some of the stuff I've done uh, through that. But, and as I said, I am on LinkedIn. I do have a Twitter account, but uh, that that's, I, I use that much less often than, than the other two. Yeah. Yeah. Again, there's information there. All
0: right, Paula. Well, before we wrap it up here, can you give us one last message?
1: Well, I would say that, you know, living your life more focused through your heart center and that frequency and vibration that comes through the heart. If you focus on your heart, if you just take a moment, focus on your heart area You're going to feel that area begin to be warm. And that's a good space to go to when you're feeling frustrated or down or angry by focusing on that heart center area. It just and and just being open to that feeling that comes through there is something that can really help you. Uh, the other thing I would say is I hope that my book, and the information that I provide to people on various sources and in presentations to people. And as I state in my book, my goal in doing all of this is to reach out and help people who have suffered deep losses uh, for someone that they love. And I think my book, the reason I wrote it, again, is I wanted to convey what I went through, how deeply saddened I was, and the grief, the deep grief I went through. And when you're in that state of mind, that deep grief, the one thing I found when I was in that state was People who had been in that state, they, they understood where I was. And it was as though having that person standing there talking to me, it was as though a lifesaver had been thrown out to me. And I thought, that's what I want to do to other people. I want to throw out a lifesaver to them because I know where they are on that journey. And that is my purpose.
0: Thank you for that message. And thank you for giving me some of your time today. I really appreciate you sharing your experience with us.
1: Well, thank you so very much for allowing me to share with everyone. I I so appreciate that.
0: Before I go here, it was kind of, when you said the word rowdy, I knew that you were a fellow Texan.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, being rowdy is good. (laughs) (laughs) And my brother and I and my sister, we used to get on the floor at my dad's house after he was remarried. And the three of us would just wrestle around on the floor, even though I was in my 20s. (laughs) We would just do that. So those were fun times. Yeah, Being rowdy. Yeah. (laughs)
0: All right, Paula, well, thank you so much again. And um, I wish you massive success with whatever you're doing and have a great evening.
1: Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
0: Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.